0: All right, hey, we're in the exciting new topic, intro to, what's it called? Apologetics. And what does that mean? Defense for the faith, that's right, uh, is really what it means. And I want to kind of just give you a little teaser. If you'll turn to the table of contents, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Table of contents, again, if you don't have a workbook, we still got them in the box up front here, up front, uh, the, the box right on the first pew, the first pew box, pew box, pew box, first pew, first one. And uh, But the introduction apologetics, just kind of want to, Lord willing is the key words here, Lord willing. Uh, I kind of want to break it down how we're going to attack this because I'm going to be inserting a lot of uh, material. So we're going to kind of be mixing and matching as we do make it through this journey. Now we're going to start off tonight with everything has a beginning, chapter one. Then we're going to move into the issue of uh, every complex design has a what? Designer. Okay, we're going to get into that. And Lord willing, after we finish that, then we're going to take a break. I'm going to do some heavy-duty PowerPoint uh, video, the whole nine yards, and we're going to deal with probably about 10 weeks in a row, all just on that topic, intelligent design. And we're going to take a journey all the way from the telescope down to the microscope, and we're going to look at an amazing complexity of God's creation. Then we're going to come back into our study, and we're going to deal with chapter 4, uh, morals and values, and then we're going to go into does uh, is the Bible really the word of God? More reasons why we can trust uh, the uh, the Bible. But actually, I skipped over part three, uh, session three. There after the design, we're going to come back in and do that single chapter on evolution. After that, we're going to take another break, even only after doing one, and then that's where I'm going to deal with the evidence. Probably about a twelve week study. Again, PowerPoint, video-driven, the whole nine yards. And we're going to take a look at the evidence for a young creation. We have not been here for millions and billions of years. okay? As well as, we're going to take a look at all the classical mechanisms of evolution and demonstrate that even if you were to ignore intelligent design, even if you were to give them millions and billions of years, it doesn't work. And you will see that the, uh, to be able to quote the evolutionists who admit it. And then they will give you the real reason why they continue to push this. It's because the alternative is God and they don't want there to be one, and I actually got them quoted. So then we'll come back in with the studies on the Bible. Then once we get to chapter 7, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world, part 1 and 2, either before that study or just after that study, uh, then that's when we're going to uh, do uh, the evidence, about an 11-week study on the evidence for Noah's flood, uh, and also the uh, evidence of a pre-flood Noahic society. Uh, looking around here in Vegas, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, it's completely surrounded by uh, sedimentary layers in the mountains. Okay? And believe it or not, once you start looking at what they find in these layers of dirt, but they don't think to go digging in there, what we see in the topography around here in Vegas and what's on the planet is the leftover remains of the Noaic flood. Okay? Buried in that dirt, they find all kinds of evidence of a pre-flood Noaic society that they will not share with you, but it's out there. And uh, which makes me wonder, just, just even around here in Las Vegas, if we would had an x-ray and we had the machine uh, ability that they would have and get into what is in the dirt, how much more evidence would there be of the pre-flood society literally buried all around us in Vegas? But we, they don't do it because they don't want to go down that route. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then, of course, uh, probably after that, just before we get to chapter 9, because from the, there on out, it's all about Jesus uh, and the meaning of life. And that's what we'll finish on. But after that, somewhere in there, We'll insert the big hot topic, dinosaurs in the Bible. Uh, aren't you glad that the Bible doesn't even talk about dinosaurs? Yes, it does. Four, if not five different times, the Bible talks about dinosaurs. Yes, uh, even in the scripture, okay? But hey, let's take a look at the first one. Open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 3. Let's take a look at why in the world is the, are these kind of uh, studies important? Introduction to apologetics. Uh, apologia in the Greek there, which as Tom rightly said, uh, to give a defense of. First Peter chapter 3. And this is actually a command from God. This isn't just, well, that's a really nifty class. or Those are for those Christians who are really intellectual and, and really just have to have an answer for those kind of things. But for me, I don't need to know this stuff. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we all need to uh, be equipped on this level. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, let's take a look there. And uh, we dealt with this uh, several months back uh, in our Discipleship 102 study. But let's take a look at it again in our context. He says this, uh, verse 15, 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15, this is why we need to, not just as an elective, not just something casual. We need to have these kind of studies as Christians. He says this, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always. Now, that's a key word there. What's that mean? Always. Always what? Think about it. Consider taking a class. Open up the Bible once in a while. Always be prepared. For what? Well, he tells you. To give an answer, defense, apologia, is what we got there, to how many people? Everyone. You mean the guy who's really a skeptic, like Pastor Billy used to be? You mean the guy who was an antagonist? Uh, against Christianity and the Bible? You mean the guy that would uh, get in your face and ask all those exciting, apologetic questions like, hey, what about dinosaurs, or what about UFOs, or what about all this stuff? Did you know the answers are in the scripture? We just need to do the study. That's what he says. You need to always be prepared to give an answer. The answers are here. Good. We don't have to sit there as Christians and go, well, I don't know, or hey, you just got accepted by faith. If you said that to me as a non-Christian, all I would do is laugh and mock, uh, drippingly so, Even more so because what you just told me was your faith cannot be defended. Okay. And it's not true. We need to be equipped. So always give a defense to answer everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Okay. And one of the biggest ones that the skeptics that we need to give a defense for is basically the root issue. And that's this first uh, 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 topic here. And that's the issue of does God really exist in the first place, right? Because if God didn't exist, why are we even here? And not just in existence, but an explanation of existence. But why are we here as Christians? Why are we here tonight? Why bother if there is no God? And that's at the root cause of the skeptic. Let's take a look at an example of that. Uh, Helen Keller is their first example. And here's what he says here. In the year 1880, Helen Keller was born in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Uh, and when Helen was only 19 months old, a serious illness left her blind and deaf. But no one could communicate with her. Helen Keller did not have, listen, she did not have the opportunity to learn about God. That's a key point there. She was blind, she was deaf, 19 months old, she's nothing. So, complete, clean slate, if you will. Listen to this, though. Later, with the help of her teacher, Ann Sullivan... Helen learned how to communicate by having someone write words on her hand with her finger and to listen by feeling a speaker's face. Now, listen, this is cool. When she was nine years old, a minister told her about God. Okay, but listen, when he did, she smiled. Remember, she's nothing, blind, deaf, 19 months old. Nobody could communicate with her and vice versa or whatever. She smiled and said back this to the pastor, I always knew he was there, I just didn't know his name. Now wait a second, if there is no God, how could a blind girl, deaf girl from 19 months old, no communication, no, if you will, infection from Christians who spoiled her mind and planted these things into her brain, how could she respond like that when she finally comes around to being able to communicate? I already knew that. Okay. Well, believe it or not, that's one of the existence for the argument for God. We're going to take a look at four. The notes originally said three. Uh, I'm going to give you four classical arguments for the existence of God. Now, the one that uh, she, this, th- this example with Helen Keller, this is the one they don't include in their notes, uh, is actually what's called the ontological argument for the existence of God or the argument of bean, not jelly beans, bean Okay, and it goes like this, okay, the very fact that even somebody, anyone on the planet considers that a supreme being exists, and we do, okay, then that's admitting uh, that there must be logically a God, okay? And the reason why is because logically if God didn't exist, then we wouldn't even conceive of him, right? Uh, If there is no God, why even bother? Yet what do we see logically in every single culture on the planet? Everybody has this innate desire to worship something Even if it's themselves, something, uh, and then oftentimes it's something or someone higher or above themselves. The point is, where did that come from? Because it's an automatic desire. Cultures will do it in third world countries and they'll worship the trees and demons and spirit world. Uh, Other cultures will worship dead ancestors, ancestry worship. Uh, People will worship trees, man, things of that nature. Okay. Where did that come from? If there is no God, why bother? Where did that come from? How is it that a girl who was blind and deaf, no communication from nobody, already inherently knew about the existence of God? Well, here's why. Open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter three. This is one of the clues that God has given his creation, mankind, to listen. Listen, you're not going to stand before me, person, and you're not going to stand before my throne on judgment day and say, God, you can't send me to hell. Uh, That's not fair. You're unjust because I didn't have enough proof that you existed in the first place. Excuse me? We're going to take a look at four uh, evidences, and this is one of them. Okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Okay, Psalm, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, just simply in verse 11. Nice little uh, clue here. And it says this When you get there, say moo. Moo, a <laughs> makes you want to cry, doesn't it? <laughs> I love it. Moo, moo. Uh, here's what he says okay? uh, He, speaking of God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, he has also set, what? Eternity, where? In the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So he's got this eternity, what life, something's bigger. and It's curious, I can't really fathom it. But His question is, what? Where'd that come from? That came from God. The Bible says that God is the one who put eternity in mankind's heart, in the hearts of men, so that we might, first of all, conceive of him... That's why there's this innate desire. That's why there's this curiosity. That's why Helen Keller could know without any outside contact, there is a God. I already know. You're telling me something I already knew. Okay, that came from God. Now, that's in there, if you will, as a clue from God, so to speak, so that we might not just conceive of him, but begin to seek him out. And a relationship with him, okay? And that's what's called the argument of being or the ontological argument. That's number one. Now, let's continue with your notes. It says, this little girl, Helen Keller, knew God existed. That's your first two blanks there. God existed, okay? Even though she was blind, deaf, and could not talk, okay? Something inside her told her that God exists. Now, we talked about this before. That's why I really believe truly uh, that even the atheist, that you could say, still believes in God. Right? Because if you really didn't believe, first of all, that's the old uh, axiom, Yeah, you know, get into a foxhole, I don't care, your atheism goes right out the window, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's, that's the facts, okay? Oftentimes a person gets rid of their atheism, or if they are an atheist, and you're the Christian at work, and so they go through some hard times, who do they secretly come up to and whisper, hey, could you pray for me? <laughs> yeah, I've heard your bold atheism before. Right. Okay, but if you think about it, I would add one other thing that even the atheist truly uh, isn't really a true atheist. Okay, and basically, atheist. If you're not familiar, uh, atheist. Okay, in the Greek, a is the negative meaning no. Okay, theist is God, so they would say atheist, no God. Now you also have another term, what's called agnostic. Okay, and gnosis for knowledge. Okay, so and then uh, and then uh, and then means means no no knowledge. Basically, I don't have sufficient knowledge, one way or the other. I'm agnostic. Okay, there's a little side note there. But even the atheist, okay, uh, I would say, really does ultimately believe in God, and they show that by their behavior. Because if you really truly believe that there was not a God, then why why do you bother? Messing with the Christian, why do you have to go out there and attack our belief? Why do you work so hard to, to do that, to, to try to undermine us and work against us? And why, why? I mean, if there is no God, then leave us alone to our illusion. But why do you fight so hard? Now, we're going to see the Lord willing later. The Bible actually gives us the reason in Peter. And he tells us the reason why that these people choose to, it's, and it says there, uh, to be willingly ignorant of the facts. Okay, now what's willingly ignorant mean? One guy, I like his translation of it. It means to be dumb on purpose. Right? Willingly ignorant. Dumb on purpose. You're doing it on purpose. Here's the facts. Here's the proof. Uh-uh, uh-uh. And you're willing to be ignorant. And it says there, and he tells us the reason why: because they want to follow their ungodly desires. Because the semi-seemingly logical conclusion: if there is no God, then guess who gets to be God? And if you're God, you get to do what? Whatever you want. And he says there so they can follow their ungodly desires. And that's what, when we're going to eventually get there, key words, Lord willing, once we get there, you're going to see that the evolutionists even admit that. It's like they're quoting the scripture. They admit that the only alternative uh, to uh, uh, their belief, evolution, which is completely bankrupt, and they willingly continue to go down that route, is because the only alternative is special creation, and quote, that is unthinkable. That's willingly ignorant. Okay, so let's continue on. So they know uh, that's the ontological argument. Okay, and and, uh, in the next uh, four chapters, we're going to look at the reasons to believe that God exists. Okay, there have been traditionally uh, there's there's say three basic arguments is your blank. But put four in there because we're going to cover four, four basic arguments used for reasons to believe in the existence of God. Let's take a look at the other three. Uh, Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began is your next blank there. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe, what? Must have a cause. Okay, that's actually the, si- listen, this is a scientific term. Because how many times as Christians are we uh, given the impression and they come across as, well, you poor ignorant fool, you? I mean, your belief is not based on science. You're not intellectually, you're not, we smarty, you dum-dum, right? Is kind of how it's come across, right? As if our belief cannot be backed up by reason, uh, faith, and even science. That's not true. Okay, this argument for the existence of God is based on a scientific law called the law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect, and it means every material effect must have an adequate cause that existed before that effect. If somebody, you came across somebody, and there they were, they were choking uh, on a piece of chicken, then there must have been a cause for that. They unfortunately didn't listen to Pastor Billy and they ate a piece of chicken. There's a cause to that. It didn't just evolve in their throat over millions and billions of years and and it reached the crisis point. There's a cause to that. And that's the law of cause and effect. When you see an effect, there had to be a cause. That's pure common sense logic. And so that's what the argument here, okay? And this is the second one. It's called the cosmological argument. Okay, cosmos, uh, meaning the world, you know, could be a uh, universe as well. Cosmological argument or the argument of beginnings, okay, that there was a beginning. So if you have a beginning, and if you could prove that that is the effect, that there was a beginning point, what does that tell you? Something had to cause that. Okay, let's take a look at that. Uh, Genesis 1.1, this man, this, believe it or not, this is such a loaded verse, it's insane. Okay, if you find the very first page of the Bible, what do you do? Stay right there. All right, uh, not even just chapter one, not even just paragraph one, the very first verse in the Bible explodes and, and sets the pace. Okay, and obviously it's not by chance. And obviously it's God speaking here. And here's what he says. He says, listen this. Uh, uh, in the beginning, a blind chance, a big old bucket of luck, created everything and just, no, I'm sorry. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that's just first one. Now, when you break it down, okay, uh, it even opens up even more. Let me give you an alternative reading uh, with the Hebrew. At the beginning, which is time, okay, uh, God created uh, from nothing the heavens, which is space, okay, and the earth, which is made out of matter. Now, that's science. That is foundational science, time, space, matter. Very first page, very first paragraph, very first verse in the Bible, God says, hey, he is the one who is responsible for our, uh, our universe, our uh, uh, dimensional uh, time, space, and matter. Okay? That's just basic common sense science, okay? Now, here's the point. If something has a beginning, then there has to be a beginner, okay? Because, logically, if ever there was a time when there was nothing... I mean truly nothing, what would we have right now? Nothing, okay? Unfortunately, that's what evolution wants to get you and I uh, to believe. Give me an example of that. Uh, How many guys can uh, uh, realize that your checkbook, okay, cannot produce something from nothing? Now, if it could, wouldn't that be awesome? It doesn't work that way. If there's going to be something in there, there's got to be a cause. It had to come from somewhere, so pure hardcore logic is if ever, as evolution would say, if ever there was a time when there was nothing, then we wouldn't have anything today. It, it, it's just crazy, okay? Uh, and again, uh, we do this in various ways. How many guys ever celebrated a birthday? Now, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're kind of freaking me out because I'm not sure how you got here tonight, how you exist, but whatever. I'll leave you some room. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, what, what are you doing when you celebrate your birthday every single year? You're celebrating your birthday birth your beginning right because we all know that uh we came from a stork that was the day man what? no it was a cabbage leaf <laughs> yeah yeah and then apparently after four kids my parents had ripped up the cabbage garden so no no <laughs> you're not kidding you. uh they, no they got rid of it but uh, no seriously what cabbage leaf what are you talking about that's crazy talk right or no i know what it was <laughs> over millions and billions of years the wind the rain the erosion just Stick baby popped out. And that's where it all came from. Stick baby, right? You've heard of Cabbage Patch, baby. This is the precursor. The marketing wasn't as well. And it didn't go off too well. Nobody likes stick baby. Okay, but, uh, that, but we know that evolutionary chain of stick baby is real because people today still draw stick figures and that's really from an evolutionary mindset that's pre-woven into our deep... Yeah, whatever. But that's the kind of logic that would have you and I believe that everything came from a stick. Literally, everything came from a rock. It rained on the rocks for millions and millions and millions of years and as the rain uh, rained on the rocks for millions and millions of years, it created this primordial soup and out came everything. You came from a rock. I'll stick to the stork or the cabbage before the rock. At least there's something animate. (laughs) What? That's what they have us to believe. Okay. Now with ours, we know that our beginning point, our birthday, we're celebrating that beginning point. And, uh, and part of it is we celebrate with those people who are the ones who caused our beginning. And what do we call those people? Parents. And parents are so powerful because if you, this is awesome. It's been scientifically proven that if your parents didn't have any kids, you won't either. Isn't that amazing how that works? It's awesome, right? You, I'm telling you, it just won't happen, right? Why? Because logically, you wouldn't be here. You're beginning your existence without a cause. Common sense logic. Therefore, if you can demonstrate that the universe also had a beginning, just like us, it didn't happen from a stork or a cabbage leaf or a stick baby. It had to come from somewhere. Or rather, someone with a capital O. And, that's, and that's, just, that's logic. Is it more logical to believe that logical train of thought that something came from someone, i.e. God, or from nothing? Which one actually requires more faith to maintain? Right? Now, that's a whole other argument, right? Is, if you really look at it, evolution is a religious belief. Because you have to have faith to believe in that. Especially when you look at the facts, you're absolutely right, Tom. A lot of faith, okay? But wait a second. I thought we're told that you're not supposed to have faith in schools. Isn't that the premise to get that? Except yours requires, I would say, not just faith, but even more faith than my faith, okay? But that's a lie. The the agenda is to get Christianity, get God out, is really what's going on. Okay, now, the way that they somehow say, well, okay, well, uh, yeah, everything did come from something. It came from the Big Bang. As if that solves everything. What, what did that solve? It didn't solve nothing. In fact, rather than, you know, because they come across, well, we know that Christianity is not true, that the Bible's not true, that God isn't one. Everything came from the Big Bang. As if somehow that disproves the existence of God. Actually, that proves the existence of God. Because the Big Bang proved that there was a beginning. Nobody doubts that anymore. There was a beginning point uh, uh, for all of creation. okay. And so, therefore, logically, if we can demonstrate there's a beginning, there must be a beginner. The Big Bang proves the existence of God. Don't fall for the lie that it's it's somehow it's actually illogical to say that it doesn't. Okay. And then, if you want to keep going on, uh, uh, and you can you can uh, get them into they they used to say that the universe began with the Big Bang and blew up. Was I forget the mileage? We'll go through this later in our, our study, Lord William. I've got all the statistics. And it was some huge, like seven hundred and eighty, three thousand, hundred thousand 3,000, 100,000 miles across, you know, this big giant rock somehow uh, blew up. And that's where we have everything. And then it just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And to where it finally got down to, recently it was down to what's called the, uh, uh, in, an infinitesimal dot. And then all the matter in the universe was squished into this little tiny little dot. And it blew up, right? It's literally what is actually taught in textbooks. So you're saying that all the universe got squished in this little tiny ball of, of dirt or whatever, little dot thing, and boom, blew up. Okay, well, let, let's just do some uh, a common sense logic, Christian. Um, Where'd the dirt go from? Mm-hmm. Even that itself. But you still, because I don't care if you reduce it from 783,100, whatever miles, millions of miles across, down to a dot, you still didn't get rid of the dirt problem. Where'd that come from? even if there was a tiny little piece of dirt that it blew up from, it still doesn't solve the problem. Where'd the dirt come from? Why? Because that's common sense logic. That's science. The law of cause and effect. That ha- that's an effect, a piece of dirt. I don't care what the size is. Where'd the dirt come from? It had to come from somewhere slash one. So even if you reduce the universe down to that, it still doesn't disprove God. It still proves the existence of God. Now, I'm not making this up. okay. They've got caught on that because it's completely illogical. So they're actually now printing in textbooks today, I'm not making up, that all of the universe is begun out of nothing so that they can escape the logical, seemingly logical question, Well, where'd the dirt come from? Well, wait a second. Now you've got another logical uh, fallacy that'll probably take a few years before they try to come up with some other whacked out excuse. Wait a second. So you're saying that everything... Something blew up from nothing. You're saying, according to your science, that my checkbook, I close it one day, boom, there's a million bucks in it. Isn't that cool? That's what's called a rubber check, and you go to jail. Okay, so what's going on? But but these guys don't go to jail. They put this in the minds of our kids, in the minds of our people, to disprove the existence of God, and that is the most ridiculous statement that everything came from nothing. Why? Because there has to be uh uh it had to come from somewhere someone okay so that's the argument the cosmological argument that's not even dealing with the fact uh of you can ask them, uh where did the space uh, for the universe come from where did matter come from where did the laws for the universe come from it's not chaotic like they say uh where did matter get so perfectly organized where did the energy come from to do all this organizing when where how and uh how and why did life supposedly evolve out of nothing It's one of the most illogical, crazy, whacked out things ever, and yet it's everywhere we go. You know why? Because they have the power of the secular media, they have the power of the secular school system, and they know the axiom that is uh, in history. You repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, often enough, and people will believe it. They have the voice. We're in the minority now because we surrendered our schools over to a secular, atheistic, humanistic mindset. And that we, we have allowed them to brainwash multitude of generations in absolute illogical thinking. And it's all anti-God thinking. Kids today are no longer taught how to think critically. They're taught what to think and there's a world of difference. What we are going through tonight and just dealing with this data, this is critical thinking. This is getting you to use your brain and your intelligence to say, hmm, critically. That would be a ridiculous statement for me to say that everything came from nothing. I have to think about that critically and use my mind and realize I'm not falling for that. They're not taught that anymore. Okay? They have the power. And the other axiom that goes that, and, and the bigger the lie, the more apt people are to believe it. Okay? That's really when you take a look at the facts, why this lie continues to be perpetrated isn't because it's so scientific. It's not. Is it because it's so logical and there's just nothing else to the contrary? No. It's because it's repeated loudly, often, repeatedly, and people, unfortunately, aren't confronted with the facts. Let's think about this critically, shall we? Let's use our brains. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. God wants us to use our brains. Don't check them at the door. Come in and use them. Okay, that's the second one. Let's take a look at the next one. Every complex design, your next blank there, uh, complex design that serves a purpose has a designer. Complex design is your blank there. Uh, the universe and the earth and its inhabitants display mind boggling complexity in design. There must be uh, an intelligent designer. Okay? Now, that's what's called the uh, teleological um, argument for the existence of God or the argument of design. Okay? And basically, uh, that's what we see in the book of Romans. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And another, this is a great excuse. Uh, Paul says, listen, I, you, nobody's going to stand before God and say, I just didn't have enough uh, a, a proof of your existence. Okay, that's not true. Okay, Romans chapter 1 and uh, verses 19 to 20. Paul says this. Now, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God's made it plain to them. Well, how do you do that? Well, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, well, if it's invisible, then logically it can't be real. You know what I'm saying? I can't believe... If I can't see it, then I don't believe it. You know how illogical that saying is? Completely... Hold on. It's completely illogical. Okay? As we've talked before in our discipleship studies. How many of you guys see right now the radio waves beaming through this facility? Please say no. Okay, thank you. Praise God. You already freaked me out. with not raising your hand on your birthday thing. But I'm I'm here for you. Uh, uh, How about the TV waves? You see the TV waves going through here? Well, radio and TV aren't real because I can't see the waves... That's just chicanery. That's superstition. Ha, 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 ha. You can't fool me. You guys see the heat waves going through here? No? Okay. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Excuse me? Jesus used that analogy with God. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He's like the wind. How many of you guys see the wind? You don't really see the wind. You see the effects of wind. But do you really see the wind? And so it is with God. You may not be able to see him, but that doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And so God, he, yeah, he's invisible to us at this time. Okay, he took on flesh, Jesus Christ, his son. Uh, God, the son, right? Praise God. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. Ooh, isn't that really great to see him one day? Face to face. No more of this invisible stuff. But in the meantime, he says, oh, by the way, but I'm going to give you proof that I really do exist. And that's what he says. That's his argument here. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. So that, I love that. Keep reading. So that men are without what? Excuse God oh, I didn't have enough proof you exist. Excuse me? Did you exist on earth? How many guys have existed on earth before? Please, everybody raise your hand. You're really, gosh, that's even worse than the first two. I'm getting freaked out. Mary, help me. But anyway, (laughs) no, right? Okay, so everybody on earth, you have no excuse, right? You've already got the ontological argument. Why is this their innate desire to worship something higher and above yourself? Where'd that come from? You got the cosmological argument. We came from somewhere, so we see something. So then therefore, all of this had to come from somewhere, someone. Okay, just like with us, our own birth. Okay, there was a birth to existence, to time, space, and matter. Okay, but also with this one is the argument of design. And that's what we saw before. If I actually, and if I truly meant this, if I truly meant this, that on my way over here to the study tonight, that's why I was running around, scurrying around so quickly because I I just couldn't pass up a good deal. You know, Christmas is coming. You're always looking to, you know, get a good deal and stuff. And over there, it's just, it was starting to get dark, but the sun was going down and it it, it gleamed on something over there in the the ditch over there in the area. And what, it it was this watch. (laughs) Can you believe it? And you know what? I am so convinced that this watch evolved over there over millions and billions of years. Now, it took a lot of wind and certainly the rain. And you know what? And then at least one, maybe two, three, just depends on, on you know. Uh, and, uh, maybe, well, maybe four because it, com- it has a band on it. That's pretty cool. Maybe, maybe, no, maybe it started out this small and then over millions of years it grew like a tapeworm out. It's like, I don't know. But anyway, I found it over there because of the chance processes of evolution. And I was so excited because I didn't have to spend any money at Walmart, okay? And I, lit- this, this, it spontaneously combusted on the scene over millions of years. Isn't that awesome? I saved 10 bucks. Now here's my point. Okay, we're laughing and joking about that. But if I literally, I mean I kidding, and I wasn't kidding, but I literally came up here dead serious, man, and tonight that was a part of this study. What would you do? Deacons lay. Send Pastor Bill on a Sabbath or something, man. Get him on a retreat. He's got to get some rest. If something's going on in his brain. You know, I ain't going back to that church. Are you kidding me? Okay, that was the first and last time I'm going to that study. Okay, would, you know, would that right? Now listen. This is with a watch with maybe 12 moving parts. Our body's got anywhere, they estimate anywhere from low to 50 trillion to 100 trillion cells. And we're going to laugh and mock at me saying that this thing happened over millions and billions of years. I don't care what you threw at it, rocks, wind, erosion, whatever, uh, that, that that happened with 12 parts. But you're going you're gonna to have me believe that our body with 50 trillion cells did... Oh, by the way, which is, those cells are organized intelligently into these things called organs. Now, not that one over there. Uh, No, wait a second, that is an organ. You know what? Aren't you guys glad that, I mean, that was here before I got here a couple years ago. And so, Mary, I'm really convinced that that actually evolved here at Sunrise. Now, it started out as one of those little trinky ones that that the kids start out on, those really annoying ones. No electricity, because it was just, it it was the primordial organ. And you had to cling, 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 cling. But you know, over the years, when we opened up the doors, wind would come along. Unfortunately, dust would get on it. But it added to it each year. And then with all these electrical problems, it got z- zapped with all the electricity. And pooh, there it is. Now, if I really believed that, what would you do? Lift hands on the non profound Listen, that's what evolution says. That's one organ, go back to your body, is made up of not only 50 trillion cells, but the cells are all arranged into a pattern creating a bunch of different things called organs. And they all have to be there. How many guys can verify? uh, You guys aren't even getting this audience participation tonight. How many guys can agree that all your organs have to be there simultaneously fully functioning or you're dead meat? All right? So that's another aspect you got to look at. Hey, you, you, what good would a one fourth of one lung be to you? What, what do you do? Hold your breath for a million years, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the rest to evolve. Somehow survive, Tom. Somehow. Yeah, that's right. Pray. Give it up for Randy. The prophet Randy has spoken. You would be dead, right? Randy gets that. Okay, it's crazy, okay? But that's what they would have you and I believe. What good would a half a brain be? How about one-fourth of uh, uh, one-half of your, your heart? Just a little piece of a ch- How long would you survive? You can't. All of your organs, all of your cells, everything has to be there all at the same time, fully functioning or it's illogical. It's one of the most ridiculous statements to say that when you see complexity and design in something that somebody didn't design it. It's crazy, absolutely nuts. And yet, what would they have you and I believe? boom, have to have nothing. We smarty, you dumb dumb. What? You, you don't think scientific like us. What? You've got way more faith than me, man. I'm so, you know, in fact, sometimes that's a good response. If somebody wants to press down that route and just say, hey, you know what? I just, I gotta, I, let me shake your hand. I, got, you, I had no idea that you were such a person of faith. Because what you're sharing with me um hats off to you <laughs> cuz I don't have enough faith to believe that. My faith is rooted in common sense logic, scientific laws, okay, not just the scripture, okay? Yours is completely illogical. I can't buy into it. If you're taught to think critically, which is what we were, how many people would even buy into this baloney? Right? But again, why do people believe it? I believe that evolution, the reason why it continues to be propagated again, is because people aren't exposed to the contrary because they won't allow our view. They won't allow critical thinking. They won't allow uh, creationism in the school. But again, even when you try to encounter with creationism, they try to come back at it as us, that somehow what we are trying to share with them is religion. How much religion are we talking about? Even tonight, we're just talking about common sense, logic and science. How is that? uh, I'm trying to cramble it. No. I like what one guy says. Listen, even if you don't want to bring up the aspect of get the Bible back into schools, which I don't think would be a bad thing. Okay. But listen, just go from this angle. Okay. You can expose the, the fallacies and how illogical evolution is. And not only that, you look at their supposed proof of their evidence and it's a bunch of lies, bunch of made up lies. And then you could just go in from this angle. So you mean to tell me, I mean, I'm not even bringing up the Bible. I'm not bringing up Christianity or nothing. All I would uh, uh, promote as a parent, if I did send my kid to a public school, is um, how about, can we at least get you to teach my kids the truth? Science is okay. There's lots of good science. But you're weaving in lies with it. So what you're telling me is that you want to continue to deliberately lie to my children. Now, if you come out at that angle, which is really what's going on, how does that ever survive? It's, we just usually get baited into not going down that route. They, they turn it into a religion versus science thing when all you're dealing is just dealing with science. Let's continue on. We've got one more to go. The universal moral law is your next one. The universal moral law uh, can exist only if God exists. Okay. A universal moral law does exist. Therefore, God must exist. Okay. A universal moral law. Now, that's what's called the anthropological Anthropos, man, anthropological uh, argument for the existence of God or the argument of morals. Once again, open your Bibles um, uh, to Romans. Let's take a look at where uh, Paul uses this argument. Okay, The book of Romans, chapter 2. Romans, chapter 2. And uh, let's take a look here. Paul talks about this in 14 and 15. He says this, he says, Now indeed, when Gentiles, non-Jewish people, okay, who do not have the what? They don't have the law, if you will, to break it down into vernacular. They don't have a copy of the Bible or the Old Testament or the, the Torah or anything. They don't have anything of that. But listen, they don't have a copy of the law, but they do by nature things required by the law. What? For they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Now, since they show that the requirements of the law are what? Written on their hearts... Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. Well, wait a second. Where did that come from? And, and this is what's called the teleological or the uh, uh, argument uh, of morals. Where did these universal moral laws, this innate sense of right and wrong, come from? Unless, of course, maybe from a universal moral lawgiver, right? Because we're created in God's image spiritually and morally, right? What we see on the planet is that people do have, no matter what the culture is, they do have the innate desire to know that it is wrong. They don't ever have to come across a copy of the Bible. But what we see is they inherently know it is wrong to steal. Where would that come from? I mean, if evolution is true, why would that ever come about? I mean, if evolution is true and based on the premise of natural selection and the strongest and the fittest shall survive, which Hitler, by the way, believed in, he was not only an occultist, he was an evolutionist. Lord, we we'll gets that later. That explains a lot and it's being repeated today on us here in America. That's a hot topic. Um, but uh, steal, where did that come from? If it's natural selection, the strongest and the fittest survive, who cares about stealing? I'm bigger than you. I kill you. Get what I want. But why do people, even kids, now again, over time... A person's conscience can be hardened or seared. But initially, younger, no matter what the culture is, you know it was wrong to steal. Where would that come from? You know uh, also that it's wrong uh, to murder. Okay? People know that. Now, again, you can become hardened and try to rationalize and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you know that's a wrong thing to do. Where would that come from? Now, do you realize what we're starting to go through here? We're starting to go through the law, what's called the Ten Commandments. How in the world did that get on man's heart? Well, that's Paul's argument for here. Listen, you ain't got no excuse. Not only do you not have an excuse because of the teleological argument, you can see God's invisible qualities and what he made through design. Okay, it came from a designer or God. He says, but you're not going to stand before God. Listen, you have this innate desire, this universal moral upon all of mankind. And logically with the brain that he gave you that did not evolve, created in his image spiritually and morally, you should have came to another conclusion. Okay, that guess what? Uh, God exists because universal moral laws can only logically come from a universal moral lawgiver, i.e. God but no You want to be willingly ignorant and ignore the facts and that's what he's talking about but not only morals I would add this if you're going to challenge if you will the evolutionists, uh, that would be a personal attributes Okay uh, that can only come and only appears in mankind because they all want to say that everything, not just mankind, but everything came from that primordial soup and boom, blew up into what we have today. And that we're no different than the animals. All right, let's use our brain and think critically tonight and let's put that to the test. Not just morally, where the moral laws come from, but if, uh, uh, if God doesn't exist, then where, when, why, and how did man evolve feelings? Why would you even have feelings? Uh, how did thought ever evolve? Where did the, uh, the ability to experience guilt or to show love and mercy come from? Where did man's ability to think abstractly and appreciate beauty come from? And if, listen, here's the point when thinking personal attributes, because they say that we all came from uh, the same source and they were all, you know, different products of creation and blah, 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 and man's no different than uh, animals, right? Then, logically, why don't we see animals doing the same things that we do, ever, there's something radically different about man because we were creating God's image. For instance, why don't we see peacocks painting portraits like Picasso? They got plenty of writing instruments. Just pluck one of them babies out. Even just one. All you gotta do is one. Just one, one peacock somewhere in the existence of mankind. Would you please paint a picture? Why don't they do that? Um, why don't we see chickens constructing massive skyscrapers? Well, they're evil. That's, give it up. Mickey, dude. You get a you get a piece of gum for that. I'm rewarding you for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Are evil, right? I mean but we all know you've heard the stories about those poor chickens, man, and how they, you know, I mean uh, 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 surely this has got to be some sort of processes for evolution to take place if ever there was one because right now they're being uh, housed in these horrible environments in these little tiny little cages and, and you would think if the chickens uh, were and we were no different than animals and they're just like us and that somewhere some chicken would break out and start creating these nice condominiums for them to live in so they wouldn't have all these cramped quarters and have these clothes and all this horrible treatment. Well, why don't they ever do anything like we do? If we all came together, why don't we see dogs becoming doctors to help the dying? Uh, and listen, if we supposedly came from apes, why are we still apes? Right? Shouldn't they have evolved out of existence by now? And then if you want to say, well, somehow the reason why they're here, whatever. Okay, then if apes supposedly gave birth to us at some time in the past, why don't we ever see it and do it again today? Isn't that critical thinking? How is that non-scientific? How is that illogical? How is that, we, dum dumb, they smart? That's common sense logic. The reason why we see a radical difference between man and animals, okay, uh, is because, guess what? We're not like the animals. Animals are a separate creation from God. And only mankind was created in the image of God spiritually and morally so that we can commune and have a personal relationship with God. That's what the Bible says. But that's what these guys continue to mock against. Lord willing, next week we're going to continue on the next page. That's right, we're cruising now. And we're going to get into more great detail with these three aspects. Because they basically have different theories of how the universe began. Okay, they're going to say that it came literally again from nothing. Uh, They're going to say that it was eternal. It's always been there. Uh, and then, of course, the next logical one. Well, no, it had to come from somewhere, and we'll get into that with the existence of God. And Lord willing, I want to give you a little teaser. I didn't get nearly as far as one Tuesday to night. But not only, we're going to see, and this is from uh, Stephen Hawking. Heard of him? Okay, Roger Penrose and another astrophysicist. They, they've been building on the Einstein's uh, uh, first and second theory of relativity that showed, uh, which, all, you know what? They're so sneaky. All you ever hear about. Einstein, is that funky hairdo, right? And the equation, E equals MC squared, right? (laughs) Don't even know what it means. Okay, but that's all we hear. But did you know it was Einstein's theories that proved the existence of God? Because Einstein's theories, okay, showed beyond a shadow of a doubt in the scientific community that there was a beginning. Now, see, you don't hear about that. But that's really the big breakthrough. Breakthrough. Okay, with Einstein. Now, these other guys have built on Einstein's, and this is recently. They have built on that and they added an equation to his theories called time. Okay, uh, with that. And when they added that, what they've shown, I'll just give a little teaser, we'll get more detail a little bit next time. What they have shown is not only uh, did matter have a beginning point, but so does time and space. There was a time when there was no time. Time they've demonstrated is actually a created thing which means outside of time there is a place where there is no time what's the bible call that this is science this is modern science and they're not telling you now what the other interesting thing too is that time and space they've demonstrated through these theories now started the exact same time as matter it all came into existence same time time space matter first verse of the bible isn't that wild let's close in prayer Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks...